Hello and welcome back to the Final Whistle podcast. My name is Harry McBain and joining me as usual is my co-host Bobby Addison. How are you doing, Bobby? Hello, Harry. I'm doing great, thank you. Now, joining us today is a man who's played at Wembley as well as in Spain and in the USA. It's former Hashtag United goalkeeper Andy Cade Watts. Thank you for coming on. How are you doing? I'm guys, yeah. Uh, Doing all right. Thank you very much. Now, obviously, many people will know you from... Uh, hashtag United, the YouTube football team, who are obviously semi-professional now. How did your hashtag journey begin? Uh, so, I mean, my initial introduction to hashtag was through Seb. So we actually went to university together a good few years ago now. Uh, I was in my third year and Seb was in his first year. Uh, we played first team football together. And then Seb, obviously through Spencer, got involved with Hashtag, started playing. And um, Dan Fazy was the initial goalkeeper for Hashtag. Uh, Dan, I suppose, luckily enough for me, but uh, also potentially for Dan as well. I mean, he's gone on to good, some good things. He, he actually worked for YouTube uh, and he moved across to America. So I mean, there was an opening. So through Seb, Seb gave me a call. Um, I'd actually just stopped playing at that particular time. I hadn't played in goal for years. Uh, until mm. hashtag uh, I'd actually injured my ankle so when Seb called and, and said do you want to get back involved in football it was good for me as well because it was just around the corner at the time from from where I live it was literally 15-20 minutes away it was supposedly once a month type uh, game fixture arrangement which kind of yeah. fit in with my life at the time I knew Seb I hadn't seen him really too often for a long time I also knew Dan Brown, Phil Martin, John Dawson from uni as well so I thought it was a good opportunity to get back involved with some of the guys there that I hadn't seen for a long time so that was the initial introduction four and a four and a bit years ago yeah I mean it's really interesting to um think about because obviously it sounds like you got a lot of you there from uni and I still remember you know four years ago watching like the volley challenges and the penalty challenges on YouTube and I was going because obviously I was so shocked when you replied and said you come on I was going around today at school being like guys, do you remember Hashtag United four years ago? I'm going to talk to him tonight. And they're like, who are you on about? And I'm like, oh, God, you've got to know this. But yeah, anyway. It must who are you be... on about? Who's that yeah, guy? I know. But don't worry, I don't forget. And obviously, <laughs> the start, it was always, you know, just such a, a nice sort of group of people. And it's so interesting to see how it's progressed into something so big, obviously, playing on the television. And, you know, do you think that being involved with it was definitely a good thing for you? Because obviously now you've progressed onto your own YouTube channel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the experiences uh, that we had through, I mean, we had some good footballers, don't get me wrong. I mean, like Dan Brown's a good footballer. I mean, personally, I, I never really hit the heights of any sort of footballing career as such. I said I played outfield after university for, for years. So to suddenly be put into a spotlight uh, as such, you know, it might not be in a big spotlight, but a spotlight as such, I mean, you, you, you don't know. Uh, anything about it until you come into it and then some of the experiences you had I mean you mentioned America you mentioned Spain you know some of the uh, grounds that we got to play at some of the tours that we were able to do and then like I say playing at Wembley in front of 35,000 people is, is just something you know I've still got my shirt on the wall there got my yeah. other shirt that I've been telling uh, telling myself I'm going to frame that but I haven't yet uh, will do just to put up in I don't know maybe a, a couple of the toilets of my house and, you know just as a memorabilia a bit, so it was amazing, brilliant not, experience. Not, not too bad of a picture to stick on the wall, is it? Nice one to look at. Oh, absolutely. Now, when you were at the Wembley Wembley Cup, obviously, you know, winning it, 
is a, a bonus, but you also there was players on the opposite team, Gerard and Heskey were some of the, some of the big names. What was it like playing and you know, meeting such such big footballing names? Yeah, well, we, we've been really lucky to you know play against and play with some uh, some big names in football. Uh, I mean, one of the surreal moments for me at the Wembley Cup was I came out to collect a ball and then rolled out to William Gallas and didn't think anything of it. Whereas, you know, how many years ago did he win the World Cup of France? You know, in the same breath as well, I mean, Jimmy Conrad's a US international. He's, he's um, uh, you know, he captained his country, captain, captain America as such. And he's played, I played with him on a Sunday morning once for the hashtag United Sunday. And it's, yeah, it's a surreal moment. And then, been able to play in the Wembley Cup with the likes of Cafu. I mean, you mentioned Gerard. Personally, I didn't get on very well with him or Heskey uh, when he kind of went down a little bit too easily, potentially. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, and there's been some other experiences with other ex-pros and bits that you just would never have thought was available to you. I mean, Dan Brown did it very well at the Wembley Cup then because as soon as the final whistle went, he actually, I think he'd got, some memorabilia he'd either taken it out of the changing room already or as soon as the final whistle went he legged it into the changing room got i think he got a ball for cafu to sign a brazil ball he then um oh that was at the second one yeah he got uh uh some gerard memorabilia i think it was a shirt and a, and a picture and just went straight on to gerard to make sure that he got his signed <laughs> i wasn't as organized as him so i mean you've got to take your chances there i mean if they're going to be there you've got to be prepared you know yeah absolutely now, what, how far do you think, hashtag obviously, as Bobby mentioned, they're on the TV uh, the other night through the BBC with the FA Cup rounds. How far do you think hashtag can go? That's a really interesting question. I mean, the idealistic answer to that is as far as they want to go. But I think there are also, um, I'd love to see it. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to see, you know, 10 years time, hashtag United in the Football League. Uh, yeah, with doing doing things that they're not be able to say have been part of it and at the beginning mm -hmm. of it. Um, they'd be interesting, however, about the actual business side of it because that that will kick in at a certain point. Because at the moment, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm not too close with it. I've obviously speak to Seb and, and whatnot, but I don't know the ins and outs of it. But um, th there's a certain level that you can't show highlights for. The highlights it will be packaged up and sold off to certain companies and. You know, the likes of BT Sport have it yeah. and the rest of it, which that will have an impact on hashtag and being able to package up the highlights they're currently doing to put them out on YouTube. Um, so there is a business element to it because ultimately it's a football club, it's a business. I mean, yeah. I'd love to see them be a sustainable entity, which they are now. I mean, the amount of um, YouTube football teams that came and went, there seemed to be a bit of a, um, a peak of a couple of years ago, most probably at the Wembley Cup with the likes of um, Rebel, um, they they went off and, and did something, didn't they? F two then started one. Those two clubs are nowhere to be seen now. So I mean, hashtag shown that it's got longevity to it. It's definitely got the right people doing things behind the scenes. I mean, Spencer's incredible at what he does. Same with um, mm. same with Seb and and also Neil Smythe as well, who's who's big behind the scenes in terms of the operational element to it. And not you know also I mean Stampy and LP and and those guys. It's a really cool, good core group of people who really you know, live and breathe it and really want to push it forward. So I'd love to see them in the football league at some stage and, you know, fighting for honours and Europe and all the rest of it. I just, you know, realistically, uh, there'd have to be some big changes in the way that they do stuff in order to do that. And to be honest, I don't know if that's even part of their agenda. I don't know if that's what they want to do. 
you know, if I'm sure if in five years' time Spencer was able to turn around and go say that he's got a sustainable football club in a non-league with a women's team, you know, a, a thriving youth section, they're a pillar of the community, they're doing things differently, you know, they're putting a broadcast on the non-league side of things, which they're doing now, and, and he's got that. I think that would be a, an exceptional achievement. Yeah, definitely. I think, well... As you see, a lot of people have been, they're really supportive of what Spencer and what they're doing. You're seeing all the people going down to the matches and cheering them on. And I think it's just a great testament to how they've set it up, really, because there's, as you said, there's Rebel and there's other these teams that have come and they've gone. So I think it does just show that it does take the right people behind the scenes, just not, not just as important as the people actually playing, because to create something that everyone can enjoy and it can be sustainable is really important, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I played at non-league football, um, but, you know, the same sort of standard as Hashtag last year and the year before. And there was, you know, you, you play in front of one man and the dog type aspects. Whereas if, you know, Spencer just through the work that he's been doing and, and the Hashtag brand overall can bring a new breed of fans to non-league football and local clubs. Because, I mean, the football at the top is definitely a split between the two. And, you know, how close do you feel to those superstars at your local club and whatnot whereas you can get involved at non-league level you can get to know the players I mean mm -hmm. they are normal people you know day jobs yeah it is a big effort for those guys as well to work you know I was gonna say a nine-to-five but it might not be a nine-to-five and then go off travel play football come home yeah. and go through it all again it's a big ask and you've got to be committed to it and those guys definitely are we we mentioned earlier obviously about the Wembley Cup and lots of things have come up in recent weeks about about um, certain individuals. Did you ever come into contact with the best on the pool play on the ball player at Arsenal? <laughs> yeah, you want my take on this? I mean, I've, I've watched some of those videos. And to be honest, I'm surprised. Am I a little bit surprised that it's taken this long for people to say things potentially? I mean, the F two are massive, aren't they? They've obviously got a big clown on things. Um, I mean, I've only met Billy once or twice, and Billy comes across as a really nice guy. Um, chatted away about various things, you know, normal guy. I mean, Jeremy, I've got no time for him whatsoever. Um, and I could go into quite a bit of detail. I was in the bar at the end, you know, I didn't see everything that happened with Stephen Tries, but was, um, yeah. yeah, there was quite a bit of trying to taunt was the were like trying to get a reaction out of people, making out as if, I mean, it was the second time for us at the Wembley Cup. I don't get me wrong, yeah. we'd have loved to have won it. You know, we played one game half an hour and we didn't get through. It's not like, it's, it's not a big thing. It's, it would have been nice to win it. Like I say, and it was an, an amazing experience and it's great to do it. But the way that he was going on and, and doing stuff and trying to get a reaction out of people in a place where you'd expect better, personally. Yeah, um, yeah I mean... Especially someone, it's not like he's young, is he? And he's going to be like, oh, sorry, I did something stupid. Like, he's made, he's built up a brand. He's built up his name. And for somebody to be so successful, and you think that they'd have a bit more sort of maturity, maybe. But I don't know. I think a lot of the people that are involved in the Wembley Cup don't want to look over that and just see as a, a bad event. Because obviously, it's made many amazing memories for a lot of people that are involved with it. And I think just to remember it, that would be a bit of a shame, wouldn't it? So, I yeah. Think I mean, I've got two young kids now and I'd want my two young kids to look up to certain individuals that I know that morally have got you know, good morals about them. Um, 
so I'd put that to one side. I mean, his conduct and behaviour was wrong at the Wembley Cup, in my opinion. And mm -hmm. uh, the, the stuff that went on in the pre-matches, whatever that tournament as well, was just ridiculous. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. Again, very questionable. Um, I mean, I, like I said, I've, I've got young children. I had a young child then. I've taken a day off work. I wanted to get home. And then suddenly you're hanging around for two hours because they want to have a petty argument over two minutes of the match. Just put everybody out. I mean, it was crow crew teams all to listen to the f2 and whatnot i mean it's a it's an absolute i was gonna say an abuse of power as such way to get people the wrong side completely because mm -hmm. everyone's got a life to lead it's not just all about those guys and it turned out that that day was then all about those guys and you know, they're there to be shot at they've got millions of subscribers he's going to buy himself a lamborghini you know you're going to yeah. buy himself in a certain area where yeah, it's just really disappointing. You're a Wolves fan. Um, how they're obviously doing very well after coming up from the championship a few seasons ago and they've made great progression. Uh, how, how do you see this season going? Do you think that they're going to be getting a Champions League spot this year? Obviously, that would be a, that would be a dream. Yeah, I would like to say, I mean, we've been Premier League two years now and uh, to get Europa League and then on the cusp of the Europa League places I think it's amazing we've also got quite a bit of backing we seem to be getting as many Portuguese players in as possible um, not sure how those guys will get on with a black country accent but you never know um, yeah we, are we going to get top four now we're not going to get top four absolutely love it too but I mean if we finish top 10 again great if we get a Europa League spot even better that's as far as I, I think we can see it I mean having lost Jota and Doherty uh, I think they're two big players now bought in Barcelona right back and there as well and got a young strike as well. So they are replacing those players. It's just whether or not they're they're at the same quality as those players. I mean, what's what's been done at Molyneux has been brilliant. It's far away from the time I had a season ticket and used to watch trying to get into the playoffs of the championship or division was and as it was then and watched some terrible football down at Molyneux. It's much better being a Wolf supporter now than it was when I when I was living in Wolverhampton. Yeah, I mean seeing I definitely with Nuno and the football he's playing there, it is nice, to, especially with Leeds and Bielsa as well. It's nice to see sort of teams coming up from the championship playing exciting football. And obviously, it is you do see a lot of teams come up, they part of the bus and they sort of they hedge their bets on whether they can get the points against the bigger teams. But I just think it is really interesting to see a lot of new teams coming up and playing exciting football. And you're seeing Liverpool buying uh, Jota and then Tottenham getting Doherty. So they're definitely getting the talent in the teams is just the question of maybe keeping and being sustainable and staying in the Premier League and then going for those European spots, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, to Sheffield United last year as well. Um, I think out of those teams there, I think, you know, Leeds look like they might concede quite a few goals this year, which might be there and mm -hmm. doing Sheffield United play uh, nice expansive football with their overlapping um, centre-halves and whatnot. But are they going to go through a bit of a uh, questionable second season syndrome. Yeah. I, don't know. I don't think they're going to do as well as, as last year, but I do think there are worse teams in the league, so I think they'll be all right. But yeah, I mean, everyone wants to watch really and talk about football as an entertainment sport. You want to watch good entertaining football with goals, glory, chances and whatnot. Mm. Obviously, some management like that, other management don't. Obviously, you have your, now that you're doing your own thing, you're progressing with your channel and, you know, you're doing your Tuesday talk podcast, talking to people, giving your goalkeeper tips. Where do you sort of see your podcast going? Because I remember Spencer said something the other day about him 
being sort of comfortable with where he is in terms of getting recognised? And do you think you're sort of at a nice level where you can keep your family life, but also enjoy with YouTube sort of in a way? Uh, yeah, good question. I mean, I've never really 100% focused on the YouTube stuff. It's always been a sideline for me doing something because I enjoy it. And I think it's always going to be like that mm. because um, you know, I've got a full-time job, I've got a career, I've got a family, I've got other things that uh, take my focus and are more important to me. I do, I do like mm. doing things like that. I mean, I do things on my channel because I enjoy them. Um, I don't necessarily do it because other people are asking for them. And if you looked at YouTube and Tuesday Talks and whatnot, the number of views on it, uh, that'll be questionable if, if those were to continue if it was purely a numbers game for it. Mm. But I felt that that was something that I wanted to do, talk to pros about their journey and, and how they um, overcame certain obstacles and, and what they would do differently if they were to do it again or you know any tips and tricks that they could pass on, which then hopefully my followers that being the majority of them young young kids themselves or you know young goalkeepers um, could be able to take some of that so um, yeah it's never been a kind of a hundred percent focus on it and you can see that from my upload schedule I mean it's kind of a little bit up and down and here and there because it takes time to go off and film stuff and organize it and then edit it and trying to fit that in with everything else uh, can be a little bit difficult I'd love to focus more on it I'd like to do more stuff to it but ultimately doesn't make me any money at all so you know I've got to live I've got to support a family and a house and yeah. kids and stuff so uh yeah I'll do it because I, I enjoy it um yeah so if you've got any ideas of anything I should be doing please let me know now uh, a talking point that's also come out about recently in in the footballing world especially in England really is the uh, the fact of who should be England's first choice goalkeeper um Obviously, the latest squad, the three goalkeepers selected, Dean Henderson, Jordan Pickford and Nick Pope. Who, in your opinion, should be getting that uh, number one spot? Oh, what a question that is. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe Gareth Southgate and uh, maybe... Pop on a waistcoat. I think one of the... Yeah, I look good in a waistcoat, actually. Uh, I, think, I think one of the issues that England goalkeeping has had over the last few years is that um, in terms of... I, don't, I suppose a hierarchy of quality of football. You could argue that Champions League football is a better quality than international football, but you'd like to put international football at the top, maybe of the pyramid, then Champions League, then Europa League, then Premier League, or you know, ideally you want your goalkeeper to play at the highest level, and you want them to play consistently at the high level, and you want them to have consistently good performances at the high level. When you look at those three goalkeepers who have been mentioned, then they don't play Champions League football. They don't necessarily play Europa League football either. So they're not necessarily, although they've come through England ranks, Dane Henderson and Jordan Pickford have, uh, Nick Pope's been in and around squads, but do they have the necessary experience and quality um, behind them in order to play consistently at that top level? Same with, you'd ask your goalkeeper or the top English players as well, being playing at the top teams. You know, they play for, or Dean Henderson anyway, last year was break, breakthrough season was at Sheffield United. No offence to Sheffield United, all good team. And I can't remember where they finished last year. Top 10, weren't they? Just around Wolves sort of thing, six, seven, eight, around there. Mm. Burnley struggled a little bit. Um, and then Jordan, Everton and Jordan Pickford were a mid-table team. So we don't have goalkeepers, although we've got good goalkeepers, don't get me wrong. They're not playing at the highest level. They're not an Edison, an Allison 
you know, a De Gea of a few years ago there. So there's always that argument and, and that question mark about them. I mean, out of those three, who would I play? I mean, Dean Henderson's now gone back to Man United, so he needs to play regularly there. Is he going to do it? I doubt, doubt it. You know, he's playing, he played a, a Carabao Cup game the other day. He's most probably going to be the cup keeper, you know, take Romero's position there. And I can't see De Gea uh, not playing unless he's going to move on um, for him. Pickford, he's in the spotlight again after his um, two, I'm going to say the two goals yeah. against Fleet, Fleetwood the other night. Nick Pope, um, I like Nick Pope. As a goalkeeper, his brother played the other night against Hashtag United and also looked very good. So, to answer your question, I don't know, I'll just sit on the fence and get splinters. I'd most probably go at the moment for Nick Pope out of those, those three currently, but I do like Jordan Pickford. And when he's played for England, I don't remember him doing anything but good things. Making any mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So, you know, do you take your form uh, from your club into your country? Do you not? Well, that's why Gareth Southgate's paid the money that Gareth Southgate is paid. And probably a bit yeah, to make those decisions to put the best team out. Yeah, obviously, it is a difficult one to answer. Maybe, so anyway, maybe just cap off the episode. One question that we have adopted to ask our guests is if you could invite, have a sort of a dinner party and you can invite three footballers, dead or alive, who are you bringing to your dinner party to have a chat with? Um, you put me on, on the spot here a little bit. Uh, I'm going. Well, maybe two if you can't quite I'm, think of three. I'm going to go won't. with Gordon Banks. Uh, oh, that's, that's yeah. Sure. I mean, well, he's the only English goalkeeper to win uh, the World Cup. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I remember I was in year six. So this is many, many years ago. How old are you in year six? Like twelve or something? To write an essay, yeah. and I wrote an essay on Gordon Banks. Um, so I'll bring him in. Uh, carried on playing uh, no didn't he retire after losing sight in one of his eye and then went to America and carried on playing a little bit so I'd love to chat to him about that um, about his England experiences lifting the World Cup uh, and whatnot. I mean you could go down a similar vein and say Pele you know Pele Maradona if you want to go back to some characters yeah. in there um, you know, Zidane I'd love to speak to Zidane what a player Zidane was um, I'm going back a little bit here I'm showing my age a bit in terms of what <laughs> I mean, my goalkeeper growing up, the goalkeeper that um, I watched a lot was Mike Stahl down at Wolves, was a great goalkeeper. But in terms of the goalkeeper at the time, was Peter Schmeichel. Um, so I'd, I'd love to speak to him about that and about stuff. And then, mm. you know, when I was playing outfield for a bit, I always loved Steven Gerrard. You know, to be able to, to play in a um, to play in a, a game with him in it. Um, it's just phenomenal. And I've actually, through hashtag as well, through Seb, um, Dan Brown and I managed to get to Portugal and go on a golf day, go play with, um, although we didn't oh. play with Stephen Gerald, he was out and about, it was for his charity. So got to meet him afterwards and have, some, yeah. have a long chat with him then and, and stuff. So that, that was good. Uh, I got my photo then. Um, so yeah. You remember to bring you memorabilia that time for a nice little sign. I didn't, I didn't again. <laughs> no, I didn't, I did I got a photo, I got a photo. Uh, of him in his Liverpool kit signed. Uh, most probably oh, in the drawers nice. just down there as well, somewhere. Um, just get that on the wall. So, yeah, I mean, that's about 12. So, I've got to narrow it down to three. Gordon Banks is one. I'm going to go with Maradona 
uh, for the other one. If you haven't seen the documentary on Maradona, uh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's brilliant. I have actually, yeah. Just make sure he's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. up his nose. Um, uh, and I've got to give you a third one. I'm like Zidane. I'm going to go with Zidane. I mean, Betrayer. Yeah, what, a, what a phenomenal player Zidane Zidane was. And I'd love to know what was going through his head in that World Cup final. I mean, Matarassi's chest is one of them, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, that that is um uh, some some brilliant names there well thank you so much for coming on andy it's been great chatting to you no problem enjoyed that thanks guys thank you very much thank you everyone for listening uh don't forget to share with your friends it's goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from me as well thank you for listening that was the final whistle